meetings, but not in a church. It was in a Baptist church. So as far as I can remember, I was in uh, going to Baptist church in Hong Kong. And um, so around 12 or 13 years old, uh, then I got baptized. When in one of the summer camps, I really got saved. Uh, but the summer camp was uh, a brethren summer camp, not uh, Baptist. I guess the Baptist was not uh, spiritual enough or something like that. Okay. And one day a um, preacher came from Taiwan. He's a kind of interesting preacher, so I always like to hear him every time he came around. So, so in one time he asked, uh, it was a kind of full of young people in that place. It was a Methodist church where he used to preach. So I got, um, he asked, uh, talk about um, consecrating ourselves to preach the word, to pay back the debt to the Westerners. It was interesting. Oh yeah, to Americans. He said they, they came to China to preach to us, but their condition is not good. So I asked all the young people who would like to go preach the gospel and preach the gospel in America. So I stood up. That was when I was around 13, 14. Then when I was 15, I got to um, come to America right before I was 15. So it took about 18 days to take a boat. We landed in Hawaii on the day of my birthday in November. And then, uh, then we landed in San Francisco, November 23rd, 62. And as soon as we landed, we found out there was a, a conference by Brother Lee. Now, I didn't know who he was. I was 15 and um, from a Baptist background, so he's just nobody to us. And um, so we arrived in the morning in a boat and uh, we got all our crates ready but didn't have a chance to unpack them all yet. Uh, then we had to um, go to this conference. Now my brother was in the church earlier. He's, he's an older brother, six years older. So he was in a church in San Francisco. And we, my mother and four of us brothers, younger ones, got there and so he brought us to the meetings. Um, so for sure, I didn't understand much about what Brother Lee was saying. I couldn't remember. Uh, he he spoke in English, and his English was not that good. Uh, and I my English was worse. So <laughs> I kind of just listened and was there. But one thing, I kind of figured this man knew the Bible much better than uh, all the pastors that I've ever had, and uh, he looks, he looks good. <laughs> but then one strange thing was after the meeting, all the saints came up to welcome us, so warmly, I I couldn't figure out where did I meet them before. I was trying to figure out was it on the ship, 
Was it in Hong Kong? And we just arrived in America. Couldn't be in America. So, so the friendliness of the among the saints was kind of catchy. Okay, then because we were guaranteed by the Baptist Church to come to America, so we had to go to at least go to the Baptist Church for a while. And uh, so we went. And um, then I went to a meeting. Other than a Sunday morning, we went. I used to go to the youth meeting, so I went to the youth meeting. And turn out the the youth meeting they put me into is not that young. Um, I think the other probably spoke in English in kind of while my age at 15, you know, in Chinatown. So the the kids were quite wild in those days. So they put me in this uh, meeting, and it was close to Christmas. So they were talking about how to decorate a Christmas tree. And I thought, what is going on in this place? <laughs> so I, in Hong Kong, we, you know, we go to a meeting, we, we read the Bible, we sing, and we talk about the Lord. But here they talk about Christmas tree and, and why do they have that star and why do they have this ball and why do they have this log and all that stuff. And I thought, that has nothing to do with the Lord. So I didn't want to go anymore. But I had to go because my mom said, oh, you got to go. So after a while, we stopped going. So we just came to the church meetings. And then uh, I forgot if this was that year or the next year. Uh, probably is that, that year. So every, every Christmas, every holiday, when Brother Lee would have a conference in uh, Los Angeles, which is like eight, nine hours drive from San Francisco, so we would go, uh, go there to the Brother Lee's conferences. So it kind of grew up in that that environment. But Brother Lee was new to the to the America at that time. That was the first conference he gave. November twenty third was the first conference he gave in America. Uh, but if you check on the history, they usually say the first major conference was in Los Angeles, where they talk about an all inclusive Christ. Uh, but there was another conference before that in San Francisco. Okay, so um, I was there going. Then the 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 uh, the thought about serving the Lord got renewed. So I um, talked to Brother Lee and said, I, I want to serve the Lord full time. I was 16 at that time. <laughs> well, you know, what do you know? You just love the Lord, you want to serve Him, right? Okay, so he said, no, 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 you better go to school first. So that took a few years. So I went through high school. And then, uh, but then by the time I finished with high school, I was kind of cold. In those days, uh, San Francisco area was quite wild. You see, there was no church. First, the, the first church was San Francisco. The second church was Los Angeles. So that's all we had. And the church in San Francisco were mainly Chinese who immigrated there. And um, and the saints there didn't really know too much about anything. We didn't have the recovery version, don't have life study, don't have anything. Uh, all we had were just kind of the outline or notes that we took in the conferences. And um, and in those days, I I used to go to a conference and and I always sat next to Brother Lee because nobody dares to sit next to Brother Lee. Uh, and uh, I was young and I thought, well, 
if I'm going to be there, I might as well sit right next to him. <laughs> and uh, at least I don't fall asleep. So, so, um, so I was there growing up like that. But then by the time at uh, end of uh, high school, I was all, you know, the, the, the brothers who used to serve us, the young people serving ones, they keep switching because they, they came into the church Try to get something, couldn't get them something, and then they left. Um, so they kept switching. So that was the uh, environment I had. Okay, then um, I used to go to this uh, college meeting every Friday night. Then the college students were mainly uh, foreign students from uh, Hong Kong or Taiwan. I think mostly from Hong Kong, some from Taiwan. And um, it is Friday night, so I always get sleepy. And uh, then they have ice cream at the end, so I wake up, woke up. And then after that, I usually go to the gym and play badminton. And uh, But after a while, I get frustrated. I said, what is going on? How come I come to the meeting, I fall asleep, and afterwards I get so active until 12 o'clock? Something is wrong. So I pray a... Uh, Prayer. I said, Lord, if I, if you are real, I should be enjoying you rather than being bored to death in the meetings. So um, then I I forgot about the prayer, and I graduated from high school, and and there's a university in my town called UC Berkeley, turned out to be one of the best university around. But anyway, it's a hometown university, so I went to that one. In those days, they they just said, okay, whoever applies first, me, who meets the requirement, can get in. And these days, you got to have, you got to be the top, 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 top student before you can get in. So anyway, I thought, well, if it's first come, first serve, then I might as well put in my application at 8:30 when they turn out, open the the door in the morning. So I drop it in, so I got in easily. <laughs> first come, first serve. So. <laughs> Okay, so I went there. So I, I was excited and young and playing around and joining clubs and singing clubs and different things. And um, then I kind of passed about two two quarters. Those are quarter systems. Those those days. So by the um, uh, end of the second quarter, there was going to be an Easter conference retreat for the young people. So they invited me to go, but then I didn't really want to go. So I told them, I, I, I don't want to go. And I, then they pressed me. I said, I got to study. It was after exam. They say, study for what? I said, study for next semester. <laughs> and um, actually, I was not that good a student. I just used that as an excuse. So they said, okay, why don't you just bring your books? You can study up there. So I've, I lost my last defense, so I had to go. So I went with them, and they were talking about pray reading. I thought, that's crazy. What is this pray reading? Never heard about that. That was 67, April 67. Um, so we're sitting there watching them. They were talking about read and then pray with what you read and, and so on and so forth. So I sat there and watched them. 
And um, that was the first night, first meeting. And somehow the Lord just opened up my, my mouth and started to join in to pray read. And nobody could shut up my mouth after that. And so, so I, I didn't read my study anything. I was just in the meetings for the whole, whole weekend. So that was the beginning of a real touch with the Lord. And earlier there was a touch, but not, it's not so easy. But with pray reading, it's really good. Okay, so, you know, the verse we pray read, the first verse I ever pray read was Romans 12.1. Um, you know, present our body a living sacrifice. And uh, actually, when I was sitting there, I was wondering, hmm, maybe it's okay. You know, reading the Bible is 100% right. Praying is 100% right. And praying with the Bible, I guess that's okay. You know, so, so I joined in. Some, some reasoning in the mind and some of the stirring of the spirit. Okay, we didn't have calling on the Lord in those days yet, I don't think. Maybe we did. I'm not so sure. Anyway, it was uh, kind of a uh, frontier in those days. And it's so wild in, uh, in uh, Northern California. Actually, for the 10 subsequent years after that, um, that was 67, nearly all my elders left the church all my co-workers and all my young people serving ones and nearly most of my friends left the church. It was a wild country. Every, you know, Brother Lee used to say there's uh, the monkeys and the donkeys in San Francisco area. There's a uh, brother called Don and another brother called Ma. So there was the monkeys and the donkeys there. And they're all fighting and always... So eventually they, they all left. So it's, uh, we're, we're war, war babies. Okay, then by the time I was in the um, last two years of the college, um, I, I kept going to these conferences uh, with Brother Lee. Um, and um, so, so I was just kind of getting in further and further into the recovery. So I, I couldn't say that I saw a vision like other people, you know, I saw the river and I jumped right in. Oh, I thought I'm in the church. You know, I was just kind of gradually, gradually going in further. And um, and but most of the things I couldn't f- quite understand what Brother Lee was saying because he was he's quite uh, quite deep. And I came from this background, you know, just struggling to be in the recovery and not really knowing too clearly. Um, but, you know, it was good to stay in. So, um, in my junior year, there's a brother who was, who came into the church. He went to a conference and he came back bubbling. That's Jim Miller. He met, uh, he was staying, he, he went down. See, Berkeley is a wild place also, the school itself. Um, you know, the hippies and movement and all that. In those days, there's uh, 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 um, marches and demonstrations against the war, people throwing rocks and police throwing tear gas. And it all started in Berkeley when it was there. 
But I was an engineering student, so we always went to class, and we just smelled the tear gas in the class. And the other people, they, they're fighting. And, and one of this brother is called Jim. He's in political science. And those are the people that stir the trouble. So, but then he, he has a girlfriend who's a sister in the church that grew up with us. And she kind of left the church and kind of wandering around and met this guy. And they, they were boyfriends and girlfriends. But then she, we were visiting her. And uh, she began to want to come back to the Lord. And so she wanted to go to a conference with Brother Lee and brought, brought this Jim Miller, you know, whoever he was, with a mustache. And, okay. And uh, he went there. And he stayed with uh, Howard Higashi, of all the people. And Howard was uh, such a uh, lovely person and took care of him. And then eventually he just, just got saved. Uh, actually, what happened was, in a meeting, I was not in th- that meeting. I don't know why I was not there. He was there. And um, somebody asked to pray read a verse. In those days, uh, we pray read like half an hour every before in the beginning of every meeting on the blackboard, you know, like 30 verses. You know, we just pray read all the verses. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was wonderful. And... Uh, so when somebody called a verse uh, uh, in, in Psalms about, oh, all ye people clap your hands to the Lord or something like that. And then, then everyone looked at one another and started clapping. I was not there. He told me then. And then he joined in in clapping and then he got saved. And uh, so he came back. And then the, our elder told, told me, you should visit him. And I really didn't know how to visit people so much and, He's a radical guy. He lives in a wild place and is, um, didn't want to go visit him. But one day I, I passed by his house and I said, okay, let me just go check him out, see what it is. So I went to visit him and we got headed up and and begin to pray together, pray read together. So I was um, working every morning since the first week I am, arrived in America. You know, all the immigrants have to work hard so I deliver newspaper every morning. I get up at 5 or 4 or 3 o'clock to deliver paper. So usually, and that was about 69, 68, 69. So after I finished my paper route and I, I get dressed and I came to his house, at around 6.30, woke him up, pray read with him, cook him breakfast, and then took him, I had a little scooter, then we t- I took him to the morning prayer at 7.15, on, on campus. So usually about 10 of us get together to pray. And uh, so at n- lunchtime, then we have a lunch meeting every day. So we have morning prayer every morning and lunch, pr- lunch meeting every day. And then um, after school, after when we have no class, we all got together to his girlfriend's house, that is his wife now. Uh, and uh, we went to her Apartment, and then we all studied there, prayed there. Sometimes we pray, read, went, went, went crazy, went back out to the campus and preached the gospel. And you know who we met there? was Big George, George Labahaska. And we, he was preaching there. He was just sitting there at the bridge, and he just say, Jesus is Lord. And then, you need the Lord. You need Jesus. And then, then he was just leaning against the bridge, and then he was... He's, he was, he's a big man. 
So he would say something. So we came up and met him. Then later he came into the church in Los Angeles. Well, all those uh, out going out preaching didn't save anybody, but we got saved. Um, then, then he graduated. Then he moved to San Francisco. See, the church was in San Francisco, and a whole bunch of us moved, lived in Berkeley. So we went out over to meet in San Francisco. And um, so um, after he got over there, we got lonely. So I, I got all the young people together, and he said, hey, let's all move to San Francisco. So we all moved to San Francisco, 30 of us. And uh, so we, Jim and a few other brothers, so four of us rented a house across the street from the high school. And um, then the sisters, all about 15 of them, moved into two little houses, one-bedroom houses, right next to one another. So we had their one house where they eat in the living room and the dining room and then the... Uh, the rest of it is a sleeping area. So a walk-in closet has a bunk bed with two sisters living in there. and Everywhere. Sisters everywhere. It's crazy. They were crazy sisters. So talk about, you know, your living situation. You know, that was really great. Then, um, so we begin to preach the gospel and visit people. And... Um, and we had four people. It's a three-bedroom house. So our house is bigger than the sister's house. We have three, four people. They have 15 people. That is smaller than what we have. But then we were preaching, preaching. So people would come over and come over. And then in a few months' time, we had around 30 people living in our house. In a three-bedroom house because there's a whole full basement. Uh, do you remember a brother called Mike Gordon? Yeah, he was. He came in in those days, so a whole bunch of people came in, and um, so so they all slept in the bottom like a dormitory, uh, with the beds. Then uh, one day, one of the new ones stole an orange, and ate it and threw the peel across to the next door neighbor's house. So then the, the next door neighbor complained, and and uh, so then the the landlady kicked us out so that one house became seven brothers houses so that was uh, the the beginning of the brothers houses so every night we we were together we we have to drive to san francisco uh for about 45 minutes or an hour to go to school and come home uh, because we we were living close to the campus and then we move away from the campus to be in the church life so every day uh, it was church life. Uh, in the morning, we have morning revival in the meeting hall. And then we drove to Berkeley to go to school. And then we drove back home at night. And then we, we have dinner in our house. So, the, the you know, in those days, that was an a interesting thing is that, see, the church was just uh, full of Chinese. And Brother Lee said, no, this is not good. He said, you need to give me a vow, vow to me, that you will not go to Chinatown, will not eat Chinese food, don't talk Chinese, and don't make Chinese friends with Chinese, and you have to gain the local Americans. So some of us vowed that, and that's what we did for a few years. So starting from 69 to 74, we just gained uh, 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 like about 80 
local people. So, so instead of having one or two Caucasians in the church, we had uh, like fifty uh, percent, uh, like eighty Americans and eighty Chinese. So the church life was pretty balanced uh, in those days. It was pretty good. And um, so um, then there was a migration to San Jose from a group of saints from Southern California to start the church because Brother Lee recognized the San Jose uh, area. That's the Silicon Valley will grow and develop. And he was right. I mean, if we more of us would have moved there, it would be uh, very wonderful. So anyway, 30 uh, saints from the south moved there, migrated there, so they started a church life. So that became another church. There was another church in Sacramento, but the leading brothers there eventually left. And Gary Kaiser came into the church in Sacramento. Now, he's going to visit you here, right? Soon? Huh? November, November yeah. So so he he came into the church, and there's another brother called Jonathan Kong. Both of them were faithful to the recovery, while the other four elders were not. So eventually, those four left, and, and they, uh, Jonathan and Gary um, held on to the recovery in Sacramento. So there became three church. There were three churches: San Francisco, San Jose, and Sacramento, uh, for a few years. Okay, so so then I graduated from the university, and um, so I I remember I wanted to serve the Lord full time. So I served the Lord full time, but there was no training, no no coordination, nothing. So I was just standing in front of a junior high school handing out tracts every morning. But I didn't know what to do. Uh, so, so eventually, uh, nothing much. So I, after half a year, I began to develop a business in computer programming. And uh, so we continued like that. And then I got married. And um, then we, I also moved to Berkeley. We started a church in Berkeley after a while. Well, she was... Um, a sister in in Vancouver, and um, a sister who lived in San Francisco that moved down from Vancouver as an older sister. She she knows her and me, and um, so she introduced us together. So we met and then we got married. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? That's how you do it, right? <laughs> you meet a girl, you like the girl, you marry her. And uh, so we got married. Well, for sure, when we were getting married, we we said, declare that, you know, we are here for the Christ and the church. And I, I guess we don't even know what it meant. Uh, but anyway, she kept all my letters to, that I wrote her. And I was reading back. Everyone is like an epistle. <laughs> So, other than I love you, then the rest is epistles about the current uh, conference, what happened and what happened and all that, the current morning revival. Okay, so so anyway, so I got married and after a while we moved to Berkeley. There was a church in Berkeley 
developed around 73, 74. And then uh, when we were in Berkeley, a lot of things happened. Um, anyway, uh, Brother Lee began the, uh, the uh, Genesis Life Study when we were in Berkeley. So one of the elders was, uh, was uh, giving the message. But then there was another brother, I won't mention his name because he left already, Brother M, M.R. Uh, he came into the recovery, tried to be number two, <laughs> and then tried to be number one later. He was always hoping number one would die soon, and then he number two would become number one. He even have this term called heir apparent. And so he created a lot of problem in the recovery. And so we had storms after storms. And that was actually the national storm. Uh, we had some local storms in San Francisco area. So people left group by group. And then eventually, a lot of the ones we gained in those years left. So the uh, San Francisco was more Chinese again, just with a few local people. And Berkeley um, was still quite balanced. But, but then, <coughs> then I, um, I moved to uh, another city called Pleasant Hill, um, where we began the church life. And that was right after the, uh, the storm. And... Uh, I guess over a thousand people in America got affected in those days. And also Sydney and different places got affected also here. It was terrible. Because we, we were not clear what's going on. So we, we didn't have recovery version. All, in those days, we used a King James and Brother Lee said, well, this word is not good. You should change it. You should say it this way. So we changed. And with those days, we didn't even have you know these pens. So we used a Repetograph that is always stuck, you know. And I always see Howard, you know, always. <laughs> so praise the Lord. Then later, Brother Lee began to give this summer winter training, and then book by book uh, got reviewed, right? Like John and Romans first, and then other books. So it was really glorious. And. Um, so, so we went to those conferences and trainings, and Brother Lee visited us regularly. So after that big storm, so Brother Lee came around to visit all the churches around, in, around the country. Did he ever come here in those days? Sorry about that. So he came over. So one thing, basically he to told us a few things. Number one, he said, the reason this brother could cause problem among us is that we don't pray enough. Um, then, um, then he talked about that and he talked about we need to read the Bible and pray and spend time with the Lord alone. That was 1978. Um, so I tried to spend time alone with the Lord but it was so hard. My mind is just drifting every morning. And uh, so I have to, you know, you, you, we were used to having morning watch together corporately. Uh, so we pray together, we can pray but then by alone by ourselves, we didn't know what to do. So we 
we were together. Uh, we were, I was going by myself every morning and try, and then it didn't work again. And then many times I sit there for half an hour. I only get about two minutes or five, five minutes of prayer. Okay, so then, then we struggle, and then, and and but kept going. We kept going, and and then eventually, um, after a few years, by about eighty three. He came to visit us. He came to our house and stayed with us quite often. Oh, that was a case. That it was a big thing. Is after I got married. See, my wife is a nice Chinese girl from Hong Kong. Very nice. Always, <coughs> always smile. Always happy. But then I have a mother who is very, very strong woman. She raised up five boys all by herself. You know, so it's very strong woman. And took us all to America and, and disciplined us. One one time I was playing ping pong with the landlady's uh, daughter and his her boyfriend, and because they are Catholics, so she whacked me quite a few times for playing ping pong with <laughs> Catholics. <laughs> so so um, anyway. So after I got married, my wife got very scared of her. You know, it doesn't matter what she did; it was wrong. Um, and um, see, I used to cook. I cooked from 15 to 25. That's when I got married for 10 years. So I became quite good in cooking. But my wife never cooked. So I married a wife who didn't cook, uh, didn't know how to cook. And but then after we got married, I never cooked. So she cooked everything. So, so there's a lot of complaint about her food and all that. But I, for me, I have no complaint. I just ate and it was great. <laughs> I was just in love. And um, so, so anyway, for five years, she just suffered a lot. So we, we talked to the... Uh, to, huh? In the beginning, she did. We, we live in, in, in the same house. And my brother... Uh, uh, Advice against it, but I, I thought, oh, well, you know, what's a, what's a, you know, no problem. But then it became a problem. So, so we moved away, but it, the problem persisted. So we talked to the elders, uh, co-workers, you know, and everyone told us, oh, move to Boston, which is, you know, like across the country. Uh, or we'll, we'll tell her, warn her not to come to your house, or we'll tell her off, or, so everyone have all sorts of proposals, but um, we know we didn't uh, we didn't know we 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 knew it was not good to do that, whatever all the advices, and so we didn't move, we didn't stop her and all that. So anyway, my wife my wife got so nervous she didn't have fingerprints. She 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 have cracks on all her fingers when she plays piano. It's all blood. Oh yeah, so it's hurting, and then drives the steering wheel is all blood. So very, very nervous. Okay, then, then Brother Lee came to our house one day. So wow, here's the man. We gotta check with him, see what happens. So after a meeting, and we gave him noodles, and he was eating noodles. So we started to talk to him. Told him, Brother Lee, we gotta tell you this problem, see what to do. So, so he he was. Uh, uh, we were talking about it, and then he started laughing. <laughs> I thought, "Wow, 
Brother Lee, how could... I didn't say it out. I was just thinking, how could you be laughing at our problem like that? It was five years. It was terrible. And he just laughed. He said, that's the way it is all over the world. Just stay on the cross. <laughs> wow. What a good word. So, my wife begin the, the finger fingerprints begin the fingers begin to heal and because just stay on the cross there's no 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 other way no escape just stay on the cross and and then she got well and then eventually uh, all her nerves can come down just because of that word stay on the cross you know this is a big thing when you try to run away you always will have problems. When you stay on the cross, then you have no more problem because you're dead. Okay, mainly it's just uh, two uh, characters are clashing. So when one dies, then there's no more clash. My mother, I don't think she changed. She was always so strong all the way to the end. and uh, But she shepherded a lot of people. Talk about opening home she was one of the first homes that is open in America. We had uh, students came to our house all the time. So by the time she passed away, the, me, uh, the memorial meeting, many of the saints, most of those who came to our house to, for, to eat when they were college students, now they are leading brothers in the recovery, different places. Okay, so, so anyway, we cannot fight with our mother or mother-in-law, so we just stay on the cross. Okay, then, um, oh, there was another incident with Brother Lee. It was interesting. Um, I, I wanted to help him to do some research on uh, triune God. And um, so um, he asked me to come and visit, uh, see him. And I was living in Berkeley, so I have to fly in the morning. Um, I had to be in his house at nine o'clock, so I I um, uh, got up early. My wife was still in bed, so I went to the airport. I was hungry and looked at the the price of food. In those days, the price of food in the airport is very expensive, like double the price <coughs> regularly. So I looked at the food. I said, "Man, it's so expensive. I'm not going to pay that." So I didn't eat. So I flew down there and I entered Brother Lee's house at 9 o'clock and he asked me, uh, did you eat breakfast? I said, no, it was too expensive on, in the airport. So I thought I was a good boy. And he said, what? He said, Paul, you love money more than your body. <laughs> I said, wow, that's terrible. Okay, so <clears throat> so I learned two things. Number one, I love money more than my body. <laughs> Number two, I learned that if I have a need, the Lord will provide the money. So after that, my wallet con connected to the heaven. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about money. Whatever I need, I have. So full time has got to learn that. I was still working in those days. So I, I learned that already. Okay. Then, um, um, then when he, by 1980, 
Three, he came to uh, Pleasant Hill another time. He came to Pleasant Hill to visit us a few times. So one of the last times he came, uh, he spent a whole week in uh, North in Bay Area. We call Bay Area San Francisco Bay. There are uh, different churches by then. So he came over to visit. I, I off, he stayed in our house and I offered to drive him around. So that's when we talk about having a two years full-time training. And, uh, and we talk about um, Chinese-speaking meetings. And uh, we talk about uh, having summer school of the truth. So those were the three things that were very strongly came out in the, that seven days that I was driving him around. So we were talking in the cars. So after that, so I've been asking him off and on, should I quit my business and go full time? Um, so ever since I had my business, I had my business for about 13 years. So finally, this was the last time I asked. So, so then, then he actually called people to come out full time. So Andrew, you, uh, who else? Minoru, David Dong. Uh, there was another brother called David Wong. I don't know if you know, he's in San, uh, Hong Kong right now. He was in Berkeley in those days, and me, so five of us. And then there were a whole bunch of others. He tried to get them to go full-time. They were doctors, engineers, and different things. You know, we're all professionals. And, um, but only five of us came, and the other 15 or so didn't, didn't, uh, didn't uh, want to go full-time. So they told him, so we're, we're praying. We're praying. So six months later, we've been serving, and then uh, he, uh, he asked them, how come you pray so long? So I learned a, a lesson on that. You know, May, Most people use praying as an excuse to delay the Lord's move. So when he says, how come you pray so long? That means praying should not take so long and should not be indefinite. Praying should be, a, you know, really, you get the guidance. Actually, later I found out more, is that to pray about things Actually, we already know what we should do. Many times so-called praying is either delay tactic or arguing with the Lord or whatever. Actually, to pray, it says to pray every time in spirit, right? You know, sometimes when you were in high school or college, you heard about the full-time training, you felt, wow, that's good, I want to go. See, that's the spirit, the spirit got stirred. But then after a few years, you, know, you cool down and say, oh, should I go, should I not go, and let me pray. So that's nonsense. So you already got the stirring of the Spirit. You have to pray to strengthen that Spirit so that you can go, not you don't pray to delay the Spirit. Smooth. It's the same thing, you know, some of you are considering uh, fourth term, graduating, where to go, what to do. You, you don't pray to delay, you don't pray to confuse, you pray to strengthen the Spirit. So, so six months later, so Brother Lee asked, so how come you pray so long? Then six months later, and then I, then I asked, how come you pray so long? Where are the people? And then Brother Lee said, oh, forget about it. Then I learned another lesson. If you pray too long, you delay the door opportunity closes. Then you just forget about it. Don't even talk about it. Don't, don't, don't create problem with these people who don't want to come. Then later I found out why 
because all of them have big houses, you know, the monthly payment is so expensive, you know, it's impossible. You know what? Then, then I went full time. You know what I had to do? I had four cars, a Mercedes, a Cadillac, and two little Hondas. So I sold my Mercedes Cadillac and maintained my two little Hondas. Then I had uh, three children in private school. In those days, it was about $1,000 a month uh, uh, for all three of them together. You know, these days, uh, probably 3000 a month. Um, so I have to take them all out of pri- private school, send them to public school. Then I have to reduce my spending, and and um, but still not not enough. So but anyway, I reduce, reduce, reduce. So one day, um, we had a conference, and one sister stood up and said, "Brother Lee was talking about going full time." And then a sister stood up. I'm a crazy sister. Why did she do that? She stood up and said, "You know, Paul can go full time because he has a bit had a business and he saved up money and." Um, so he can go full time, but many of us have to work. He, she stood up right in the conference, said that. <laughs> then my wife looked at me and said, "Then she got scared because then that means you know we don't need any more support." Uh, so I said, "Oh, don't worry about it. Whatever we need, the Lord will provide." But then, turned out that the Lord didn't provide so quickly. <laughs> so so my I was winding down my business. And yet, the, uh, at the same time, I was um, spending money, although less, but still need a lot of money to eat. Uh, so, so eventually, um, so my I was uh, um, I had to because I had good credit, so I had to use my credit cards. And then after a while, I had to use another credit card. You know, they keep sending me, you know, new credit cards. So we just get more credit cards. <laughs> so at one point uh, we were so much in debt my wife looked at me and said what are we going to do I said well whatever you want I, I trust in the Lord if you want me to go back to work it's okay uh, but if you don't uh, if you don't tell me to go back to work I'll continue and um, so she wouldn't dare to tell me to quit full time so so your sisters be careful with that you, if you marry a full timer uh, financial problem is always the problem. There's no rich full-timers. All of us are poor full-timers. And um, see, I was working like 25 hours a week and making a, a lot of money in my business. So when I go full-time, I was working 100 hours a week and making very little money. <laughs> so the variation is like 10 times. So... So if I want to be rich, then I should just do my own work. And if I want to serve the Lord, I have to forget about that. Okay, so, so she wouldn't dare to tell me. So it's good. So I continued serving. Then later, the, the Lord took care of that uh, a few times, many different ways. Then I found out that the Lord has many pockets. He has many bank accounts. I didn't know where, where they come from. You know, suddenly this one will have a burden to support me for a portion of my living for a certain few number of months or years. And then when this one is going out, another one will come in. And it's just, it's interesting, right? Right, Ray? It's, you, you don't know. The Lord has people everywhere. Like he has 7,000 who did not bow their knees to Baal. It's true. There are 7,000 accounts. 
this could come from either church or individuals from the Mexico, I mean from uh, America or from Asia. It just just keep coming. I never, I never ask a church or a saint for anything or to support me in any way. It's just the Lord take care of everything. Took care of everything. Okay, so so then. And when, when I went full time, and the first assignment Brother Lee gave me was to write those six books uh, for the uh, summer school of the truth. And it took me a few years to write. And it was good because every year I wrote one. And, um, and uh, it was a good experience for me because at first I didn't know what to do. I had to work real hard. So I, I asked the churches, all the churches in America to help me. <laughs> it was crazy. I didn't know what to do. So, so I asked them to look up this, look up that. So, so people look up and send me all the, all the files. Uh, and then I collected 2,500 pages of, <laughs> of Brother Lee's material concerning the full, full, full salvation. So I kind of categorized it and came up with about 600 points on an outline. So when I talked to Brother Lee, he said, that's too much. But anyway, I was so impressed how rich the ministry was. And then certain certain items were very hard to understand. I couldn't figure out what's the difference between sanctification, transformation, and growth in life, uh, and many other things. So, so, so those were the years that I had to study through and learn all these things. So finally, I have to reduce the all the writings down to um, um, just a book of like around... I said around 120 pages or something like that. Or anyway, very very little. No, no, 60 some pages, 70 pages. But I have this compendium uh, uh, that has uh, quite a few pages about this thick. So then the the teachers can reference these, but the teach just with a little book. So anyway, we develop that, and um, then um, then 85. Brother Lee, um, 84, he went to Taiwan to begin a new new way. And then 85, he came back and he told us that we should um, go to with him to give, give trainings. At that time, there was no full-time training. So he had an idea. That was including some brother called J.S. from uh, Germany. Uh, Andrew, me, Minoru, and some others. And uh, so we were going to take two, two of us will go for six months and then another two will go for six months like that. Uh, but then, um, so that was 85. Uh, before that happened, before that training happened, uh, then suddenly uh, one day Andrew called me and Jake Jacobson and, then, and Howard. So we were traveling around uh, America from campus to campus to preach the gospel. So we were called a gospel team in those days. Uh, we, we went to uh, Baton Rouge and Knoxville and other places. And, um, and um, so, so um, uh, suddenly one day in November of 85, Andrew called us to go to um, Taiwan. So we went over there and uh, so, so we... Um, um, oh, 84, there was 85 early on, there was a conference. Andrew asked me to go there to tell the saints um, what's happening in America, in the campuses. And I actually did not know how to speak Mandarin. 
And he asked me to go there and speak in front of like 7,000 saints in a stadium. Man, I, I couldn't believe I have to speak in Mandarin that I don't know how to speak. And I have to speak on something that I don't know so well. Because Andrew was the one who went around the campuses, not me. I only went to some campuses. And he went to all the campuses. So so eventually I went there, you know, I just did whatever I was told. I just I don't know if they understood what I was saying. <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, so I went back and then at the end of eighty five then he called me and uh, said Brother Lee wanted us to go and help on the gospel in Taipei. So we went around preaching from city to uh, campus to campus in Taipei. It was quite glorious, you know, a lot of people got saved, got baptized. And then uh, then we went home, and uh, 86, then the training began, the FTTT. So I went back with Andrew, so, so mainly both of us were, were doing the training, and then some other brothers came later. Um, and so we were there for about two years, uh, not about, uh, two years. We, we took care of two years of the first two years of the training. So at the end of the two years, um, I heard Brother Lee all kept talking about the Bay Area needing help. So I, I said, well, I'll just go back to the Bay Area. So I went back, and then I stayed there. And then, then he came to visit. So I was back in 88, and then he came to visit one day in Berkeley. He said, wow, this is such a nice facility. We have a big, huge hall. That hall can, you know, it's a big, massive hall. That hall can sit about 1,000 people. And with a side hall, open it up, can sit 1,200 people. And um, he said, this, this meeting hall, I wish I would have something like this in Mannheim. Uh, he's, it's just three blocks away from 30,000 students. He said, you got to do something. He was talking, telling the church in Berkeley. So I was there, and I, I picked up the burden to go there. So I stayed there for 10 years, serving there. And um, again, he looked at the students. When another time he came, so we, we developed this, this student center uh, uh, for the students who come. You know, Brother Lee said, you need to have, provide the places for staying and places for study and, and fellowship and all that. So we developed all that according to his fellowship. And he came up and he, he looked around and said, how come there are so many Chinese? Where are the Caucasians? So he said, you need to spend four times as much time on Caucasian instead of the Chinese. <coughs> and I don't know how what's four times, what's ten times. So I just didn't preach to any more chi Chinese anymore. So I just preached to only Caucasians. And uh, so our, our growth rate slowed down because uh, you... Gaining Caucasian is slower in America, so and then the Chinese. Because Chinese, you don't need to preach to them; they just jump in. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you, they they just come because of the friends. But then, so we put in the effort on the Caucasians. So anyway, we worked there uh, for ten years, and um, then then you know, Brother Lee passed away in um, 1997. So we were with him off and on in the conference and trainings. It was good. We, we, it was wonderful to have Brother Lee. Um, you know, to me, I think, I don't know if anyone else thinks so. I don't know, Ray, do you think? I, To me, I think Brother Lee is the greatest Christian ever lived and greatest worker <clears throat> 
on the whole earth in the whole history of mankind. You know, Apostle Paul was great, but he went to heaven and and he went to Hades. <laughs> in spirit, at least, he was there. And then he he raised up some churches, but not that many. He wrote some epistles, but only 14. Brother Lee is still writing. <laughs> you know that, right? It will be another 20 years or more before Brother Lee's writing will be finished. Because he built up a team that could keep working after he went to sleep. Uh, and he raised up more than 3,000 directly churches when he was alive. And, and all these volumes and volumes of books. So anyway, it was great that we had this opportunity to be with him. Okay, then, in, uh, um, when it was about 2,000, um, Andrew asked a brother, John, um, to go down to uh, Mexico to, to uh, encourage them to sell books to the public. Because there was a radio program that is quite prevalent. There were hundreds of thousands of people listening to it. In America, we had the problem because we got blockaded uh, in the radio. So we, we couldn't get too many listeners. We got in a little little stations, like 2,000, 3,000 listeners. <coughs> we couldn't get the big ones. But when we got down to Mexico, um, Mexico always had a problem also, just Christian broadcasting was forbidden until 11 years ago. So when they, this man called Raimundo, he worked with the government, worked on everything, and then he actually put together this thing in Mexico City that he could broadcast 36 hours of radio Christian broadcast uh, in Mexico City 11 years ago. Then soon after he got broke through, we found out, so we, we began that broadcast just half an hour a week. And the brothers down there didn't know what's going on. And, uh, but then because of that, more and more people listened. So they were it was rising in its uh, popularity even beyond football news. So it became very, very popular. And people call in. And the brothers there didn't know what to do. <clears throat> so they went to visit people. And after a while, they gave up they, because they didn't know how to visit. Um, and so they didn't even give out the phone number on the radio program. <laughs> that was crazy. So Brother Andrew asked me to go down there to help them to sell Bibles because in those days I figured out how to sell the recovery version quite easily. And um, and then uh, because we opened a bookstore in Berkeley and we, we learned to do that. <coughs> so so I went down with John and um, John Pester uh, working in the living stream. So... so um, so I begin to talk about the um, the uh, something uh, down there. So now this is something that I will be sharing tonight. I'm the history of the Lord's recent move in Mexico. So I, this is personally I I I got. Then eventually I got 
sent down there by the brothers. Because when we saw the Lord was moving, we were announcing in the meetings and trainings that there should be some migration. But then eventually we look at one, one another, who should migrate? <laughs> so one brother said, Menorah said, how about you? I said, no. <laughs> because I, I have no intention of moving there. But anyway, eventually I, I changed my mind and like the first son, you know, after saying no, go out and change your mind. So later, the next day, I told the brothers, yeah, it's okay, I'll, I'll move there. So I moved down there. So anyway, that's the uh, the move down there. That was uh, six and a half years ago. So tonight, I'll tell you about what happened down there. So this is the uh, end of this. So 4.30 is the end, right? It cannot, cannot go on further. So anyway, it was a wonderful life to be with Brother Lee, to be in the recovery, to be with all the brothers, like Ray. We met one another over 30 years ago. And there's, there's no, no people like us people in the whole face of the earth, in the whole history of mankind. You just think about that. We are not dummies. We are, not, uh, we are very aggressive people, yet we are, bent, we are bound together by a vision. Brother Lee said, I cannot control you, but the vision will control you. And that is true. Now Brother Lee's gone for 11 years, and we are all continuing in this recovery, and we continue to go on. Uh, uh, and we have all these great people, like Ray and Alex and Brother Andrew, Minoru, right? Ron, Ed, Benson. Dick Taylor, James, right? All these great people. We've been together for 30, 40 years and we're still together. We don't fight with one another. You know, in the world, they, they stay together for profit, for power, for politics, for many reasons. But they eventually break apart. Everyone have a divorce. Except us, in the Lord's recovery, whoever sees the vision, we remain and remain and remain. And then, when... Um, there was a brother who left us recently uh, called um, TC. Um, actually, 15 years ago, I called Brother Lee because somebody asked me to travel with him in, in a certain country. And I, I heard that he had some problem, so I was not sure. So I called Brother Lee. I said, Brother Lee, what do you think? And he didn't answer me. He gave me some uh, half an hour history lesson on the phone. So he reminded me, all those people who came and left, he, he, he named them one by one. Devon Fromke is the first one, and then, who, so, and then including uh, J.I. and J.S. and everybody, everybody. Okay, then at the end he said, they all came to the recovery for something and they did not get it, so they left. And some are still here. So he said that. Uh, and I didn't tell anything for nine years until just a few years ago that Brother T is definitely not with us. And he was leaving. So I brought it out to the co-workers about this phone call. And that, that is the, the case. So when you come in, don't look for anything except Christ. Amen. You look for something else, you will mi- you'll be disappointed and you'll leave. Position is not for us. We're members. Which member has any position? We will have only one head. There's no subheads. We're all members of the body. We're all brothers. So eventually, nobody is anybody. 
Everyone just function. Whatever you, you, your portion is, you function, you will just fit. You just blend with one another and function. So anyway, this is the Lord's recovery, not our work. It's so easy, huh? It's the Lord's recovery. We have problem, we just rely on the body. We have good things, we just give it to the body, whatever. But never try to rise above. Whenever we try to rise above, we'll, we'll lose the blessing and we'll leave. So, so most of my elders left, most of my co-workers left, the ones who took care of me, except one. That's uh, Elton Carr. But he was not really my elder because he was shipped in from Southern California for one year and then was shipped out to Philadelphia uh, to migrate to someplace else. But the, all the ones that were in Northern California uh, that took care of me, they left one by one because of their, their wrong intentions. So, so, so be careful. Every one of us has that problem. Ray, you have that problem. I have that problem. We all have that problem. The protection is the fellowship in the body. The protection is don't try to be anything. Just labor, work hard, and don't be anything. Then the Lord will bless us. Amen. Well, oh, still have time? Oh, oh okay. Well, I'm not so sure what's the strongest. I, I, I was always impressed that he is the best Christian ever lived. And more and more. Even now, after he passed away, I, the more I study the truth, the more I realize. I, I couldn't figure out who was this man. How could he know so much? He, he must have a direct connection to heaven. Somehow. Did you look at the footnote? It's unreal. How can any one person get so much in a lifetime? Look at the footnotes. You know, people think they are somebody. They learn a few things from Brother Lee. Then they, they, they do a little good job and have a little increase. Then they think they are the next great one. There is no next great one. Nobody even close. If you ask me, where, where are you compared to Brother Lee? I think it's about down here. Right here. <laughs> Not even here. You know, Ezekiel 47 talk about the trickle becoming the, the, up to the ankles and then up to the knees and to the loin and to, for swimming in. You know, he said, you need to get upon the shoulder first before you can develop. And people don't even get too far, like an ant, compared to Brother Lee, and then they think they're the next great one. That is the most tragedy of all these brothers. If you hear of anybody think that he is the next great one, just forget about it. There is no such thing. The next great one is the body of Christ. Amen. Won't you agree? It's the brother Ni, brother Lee, and then brother We. That's the next great one. <laughs> we all together. You know, he opened up the truth so well from Genesis to Revelation, from Eden to New Jerusalem, for for. From, uh, from the beginning to the end, everything is all so clear. The only one thing he was not clear was the 
the twelve layers of the of the the stones, the color, the the of of the foundation of New Jerusalem. Then people are start, starting to trying to figure out, you know, uh, what that means. Forget about that. Learn everything else first. It will take you about one one hundred twenty years, and still you may not be able to finish. I, I tell you, really, you you study the Lee. I don't know any one of us can get everything that he has ever given out within 120 years. None of us have that capacity to understand. We can only take a part. You take a part, I take a part, we all take a part. And then we put it all together, we have the body of Christ. So, so we have a few brothers always think that they are, they are the next great one. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's a it, it's God's man to become the minister of the age. Nobody, no, Andrew's good. He's a sharp man. But nowhere to compare. Ron is great. He's a gifted speaker. But nowhere to compare. All of them have to study so much in order to present one message, another message. Brother Lee, just flow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing. It, it's, it's a vessel, special. <clears throat> Amen. Anything else? Yes, everyone wants to go. Okay, so tomorrow we have. Well, tonight is a is a joint prayer meeting, right? So, though I was supposed to share some more about what the Lord's doing in uh, Mexico, and then something about prayer. Okay, amen.